I'm Dave. And I'm Greg. And we love watching great films. But we don't get to watch as many as we used to because we're dads. So we've made a super duper podcast all about it. This is Dads on Film. Hello and welcome to episode three of Dads on Film. How are you doing, Greg? I'm all right, thanks. Very nice shirt. Thanks a lot, and you? Very uh, paisley. Paisley, paisley makes the girls go crazy. (laughs) We, mine's got sharks on it. Ah, cool. Well, I kind of squeezed it. Bear in mind, I had this shirt before I had kids, and Ah. I'm quite grateful that this camera view is where it is because down there it's like a joint of beef wrapped in string. I'm wearing a pair of like running shorts, <laughs> so oh, yeah. it is it is a good thing. We decided we decided to dress up this week um, because why not? Yeah, the hottest day we've had in in weeks, and we've decided to wear really tight shirts. I'm down with that. It's oh, cool. Our, our wives are very lucky. <laughs> so it was Father's Day on uh, Sunday. Did you have a good Father's Day? Yeah, it was great. Thanks. Went out on a bit of a bike ride uh, with my son, which was great, and then. Went to see the in-laws and uh, my parents sort of socially distanced in the garden. Very exciting stuff. How about you? I like that. You've just done the, you know, every single Facebook post for the last three months that you see, whenever anyone's been anywhere or been on a walk or anything yeah. like that, they have to qualify it with socially distanced, of course. You've just, you've just done that. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah, just so nobody's judging you. Like, you've been to yeah. his in-laws. I bet they, Oof. I bet they hugged each other. Um, no. <laughs> um I didn't even know it was Father's Day. I'd forgotten it was Father's Day. Um, I did the thing, I don't know whether you ever do this, where you kind of, you stay in the room as a planned, stay in the spare room as a planned way of getting a full night's sleep. So I stayed in the spare room because I've not been getting a full night's sleep because it's like musical beds in our house every single night. Yeah. Yeah. So I stayed in the spare room, so I, I'm having a full night's sleep. I'm, I'm having nothing to do with this dancing around beds business nice and uh i woke up to a text off you saying happy father's day and i was like oh yeah yeah, so it is as you're my dad (laughs) clearly (laughs) did you get anything nice for father's day i've i'm I'm told there is a present coming it was this old Mm. chestnut it hadn't arrived Mm. then ah i was promised it was coming on monday it's still not arrived so then my wife ended up showing me what I've got and it's a proper little Father's Day gift. After say Lakes Africa. No. Opener. no. But I'm getting to the stage where I I, I would be happy with a pair of socks. I, I was I kinda lay in bed on Sunday morning thinking I really hope I've got a new pair of socks. But no it's you're not far off with a bottle opener though. I've got what yep. they're called um nin, ninja wallet cards or something like that and it's oh, like a yeah metal, i've seen one these. of those metal cards that does everything it's got like screwdrivers and spanners in it and bottle openers and nice. all sorts so i'm quite looking forward to getting my hands yeah. on that oh what about you about uh, something better uh we we've got this like weird tradition now that every father's day i don't actually get a present well it is a present I don't get a physical present then and there um my wife books me a tattoo <laughs> so oh, right. i've had what would this be my this is my third Father's Day, so this will be, yeah, my, be my, my third tattoo booked in. <laughs> so, and what, do you know what yeah. you're Not un, unsure yet, and I've no idea when I can actually go and get it because of all the corona. Uh, well, yeah, you, obviously, you, you clearly need something that says Dad's on Film. Like the Dad's, Dad's on, on film. film. The new Dad's on Film. The new logo. The new yeah, logo how about yeah. that? 
Yeah. See, we, we've never, I mean, as, as I grew up, we never really, Father's Day wasn't a big deal in our mm. house. In fact, I dare say we probably forgot quite a few Father's Day, which probably, probably upset my dad on the quiet quite a bit. So it's like, we never, but it should have the same status as Mother's Day. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's more important than Valentine's Day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we don't do Valentine's Day, really. And my, my excuse is every day is Valentine's Day when you're with Greg. Oh, oh, I like that a lot. I saw some lovely videos this morning that you put on of you teaching the kids how to ride the bikes. Oh, yeah, we did that over the weekend. I'd literally just done it over the weekend, my, yeah. both my kids, because my kids are quite like 14 months apart. So if my little girl sees something my little lad's doing that he's a bit older, she, she's just determined to do it as well. So he, he learned to ride his bike pretty quickly over the weekend with pedals and she was like yeah i'm doing that too so w- they've both managed to nail it over the last few days and it's again it's another sort of positive of these times because i don't think we'd have as, uh, we'd ha- have had as much time in such a short space of time to keep yeah. going and going practicing so yeah they've nailed the bike riding romeo done fantastic you know before we get into this episode of the podcast greg we need to make a promise that we're not going to mention the m word this episode is what's that? Um, um, well, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. We're not allowed we'll get, to yeah. use that word. Uh, someone else. Have we had more feedback saying we're not allowed to speak about it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you off? Couldn't possibly comment. But there's a lot of Batman news this week, so that's good. Oh, that's cool. So we could have a, D- <laughs> we could have a DC week. <laughs> yeah. Have we had any messages or anything this week, Greg? It's, we've had a, quite a bit of people sending messages of encouragement saying how much they're enjoying it saying how much they're surprised for some of you why, why would you be surprised <laughs> why, that we would, make why are you so surprised quality? exactly uh, but some really nice words of encouragement and some nice ideas as well that have come from people as well i quite like yeah, that I think yeah. people have been giving us some ideas that you might see us dropping them in as we, as the podcast develops we're sort of taking on some bad ideas as well I, <laughs> we won't mention them but some nice ideas. So yeah. you'll see them cropping up. I, I like the idea of it being a people's in, in, podcast. Yeah, in later episodes. So you're going to have to stay tuned in or see else. If your, see if your idea pops up and you'll get a Blue Peter badge. <laughs> Dad's on film badge. Dad's on film badge. We've had people agreeing with the revolution for end credits. Good. <laughs> yeah. The resistance uh, is rising. We've had someone spat the sparkling water out when we spoke about a certain thing. <laughs> we've had people messaging us whilst watching films, like giving a commentary whilst watching films that we've been speaking about, which has been pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks to Ben, he said, was a very good listen, very professional and well-structured particularly for a first episode he'd only listened to the first one he doesn't know how much better we got in the second one because we did we did get we got well better by the second one you sounded like such such a radio presenter then a message here from ben saying (laughs) well done guys (laughs) he had ben had loads of ideas yeah he did. some of them some of them we'd already had (laughs) apparently got a message from my mate chris saying it's really good mate i'm only halfway through the first one though We'll hurry up, man. 
that what people doing? I've had people saying, yeah, I've not, I've not had a chance to listen to the second one. It's like, you just put it on when you're like pottering around the house <laughs> or driving. It's literally, it's not a chore. I listen to podcasts when I'm going like shopping and stuff. Yeah. You know, like queuing outside Asda. Yeah. I listen to, I often listen to podcasts when I'm falling asleep. I have to have a podcast to be able to go to sleep, but it's really annoying because then I don't know the next day which bit I fell asleep at. So I have to go back and find out where I fell asleep, which is ironic because this bit is probably sending someone to sleep right now. Our good friend Luke messaged and said, loving the pod guys. That was nice to hear. So my mum listened to the last episode and we were speaking about Peter Pan, weren't we? And particularly about Captain Hook. And I was discussing it. Well, you said you'd fit you you felt sorry for Captain Hook at times. And then I went yeah. into a bit of a thing about how it's good to be able to empathize with the villain. And my mum pointed out that that was probably because I felt so, I felt so passionate about that because when I was at nursery, there was a fancy dress day and me and my mate Will went in as Peter Pan. He was Peter Pan and I was Captain Hook. And I ended up very quickly in floods of tears because I was the baddie and everyone was treating me like the baddie. And, and I, I, I think I came home and just like fell into my mum's arms and cried my eyes out because I didn't like being the bad guy. So there you go. That's why I was so behind empathizing with the bad guy last week. One point hey. out. I forgot about that. I'll find you the picture. You're all right. So what have we got coming up in today's episode, Greg? So next up, we're going to hand each other our homework in. And after that, we're going to have a run through some of the things that have been happening in the film news. Quite a lot of film news this week, actually. Yeah, there is. After that, we're going to look at a new film that me and Dave have both seen this week. 7500, are we calling it? Yeah, that's the one. 7500. I think we call it 7500. It's 7500, yeah. The big thing we're doing this week is having a recap of 2020 so far. We're going to be looking back at our favourite films that have been out since January. Our So Solid You this week, or is it a So Solid You, is Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, And then we've got a new section at the end called Dirty Dozen, which you guys have been helping us out on Instagram. And at the end, Dave will be sending me some homework. Um, And if you think this bit's dragging on, it's because we did have a message saying you need to do more chat at the start. So careful what you wish for have you done your homework this week greg i have done my homework what's my homework i'll train to the sun yeah yeah so you said it's going to be quite difficult to persuade my wife to watch it with yeah we need to do that every week because it just made her all the more determined she was like i'm watching it with you i'm watching it with you because dave said i wouldn't like it so i'm watching it so we watched it on Saturday night and that was a tense couple of hours. Yeah. Edge of you. I tell you what, it was absolutely awesome. Yes. So the setup is, so you got a part-time dad who's got his daughter and his daughter wants to go on the train to Busan after a birthday to see him on. Typical yeah. zombie, typical zombie film, and these are the bits of the zombie zombie films that I love, where you, where the protagonist doesn't know that it's a zombie film. Or, yeah, yeah. And you see in the background, but, but we all those do little, <laughs> all those little tropes of things happening in the background of like, yeah, I don't know. People, that Shaun of the Dead does so brilliantly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people limping down the road or just like yeah. odd little stuff up, stuff odd little bits happening. So that's the sort of setup, and basically they get on this train to Busan. 
And straight away, what a brilliant idea for a zombie film to yeah. be on a train because already before anything happens, you've got that feeling of claustrophobia. Yeah. You're in a finite space. You can either go that way or that way and you're feeling it straight away. I mean, also, it's helped along by the fact a baseball team steps on. <laughs> Just happened to be on the train. <laughs> I don't about you, the first thing I thought was removing the head or destroying the brain. <laughs> so... I thought that was absolutely genius. That you've got immediately that sense of claustrophobia. The kind of I'm not going to ruin too much of it, but you've got this theme of the girl has the moral compass, the dad doesn't have so much of a moral compass, and you pretty much it's pretty clear straight away that you're going to see a character arc in the dad of how he sort yeah. of develops throughout the film. Edge of your seat stuff all the way through. I mean, there's bits where you, there's a really tense bit where someone's gonna someone's sort of immortal danger and you think they're gonna die and then someone steps in at the last minute and literally i was shouting yeah <laughs> and then there are other bits where you know there's zombies coming towards them and i'm literally going run <laughs> bleep that out with something i'll bleep that one yeah, yeah. nice first f-bomb nice i like i like <laughs> the unlikely i like the unlikely bond forms between the two blokes as well yeah Two, the vet, two blokes very different and they form a nice bond as it goes on i also thought it had a bit of a video game element so there's parts of it where and i don't think this is much of a spoiler where it's like they've got to get from car nine to car 15 via car yeah. 13 and it's almost like they're the levels and you can feel like and every car has got it sort got its different theme of how they're gonna get through that car to the next one sort of thing i thought that was really cool there was a nice cool little bit of dialogue about dad's getting a bad rap and i thought that chimed quite yeah. nicely with the podcast yeah. it's got a bit bigging up dads my only thing about it and i've spoken to other people about this since then who disagreed with me but for me i didn't like the the zombies i didn't like the way the zombies were i didn't like the way the zombies moved i thought things like walking dead have done the zombies the way they look and yeah. the way they move much better than they did they were very fast zombies but also I yeah. think they looked a bit comedic in the way they moved sometimes but other than that and that is just really splitting hairs because <laughs> i thought it was perfect right up until the very very end yeah that last right up until the until the credits roll it's edge of your seat just perfect yeah I think it's interesting what you said about the the way the zombies moved. I quite liked that. I, it felt to me that they were more like, obviously they're zombies and they, they, they get bitten and then they get infected. But to me, it felt like there was a disease, something really like... Rabid. Me- yeah, r- rabid. The way the kind of bodies contorted and like spun around and things like that, it was, I thought it was brilliant. It reminded me, and what was quite interesting was, um, did you ever see World War Z? I did not. I the Brad Pitt the one. So obviously not to get too too far into it. It's based on a book. It's nothing like the book. It kind of got panned a little bit, but actually I really enjoyed it. And it, Train to Busan takes a lot of influence from that film for how the zombies sort of move and behave. They almost, they're a bit insect-like. They're almost like a bit of, bit of like a swarm, like ants. Yeah. Do you know okay. what I mean? Yeah. They, they tend to, they kind of like, climb over each other to get you know to get where they need to go and things like that it was there was something really like i don't know impressive about it and i i felt genuinely like threatened by it obviously i, I wasn't there but, yeah, but yeah. 
you know, we've seen it so much in, in zombie films now. Even the sort of fast-moving zombies that you get in, like, well, controversial, 28 Days Later, they may not be zombies. They might just be infected sure. or whatever. Yeah. But because we've seen it so much on The Walking Dead and things like that, the zombies aren't really a threat. And I think this is one of the first films or, or TV things I've seen for a very long time where I genuinely was, like, scared of the zombies. It yeah, was, it was, oh, it was brilliant. Think- it's so, so inventive. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think because zombie films have been done so much, I went into it thinking you can't really have a truly original zombie film anymore. And to an extent, it was influenced by, like you say, a lot of other films. And they all tend to influence each other. However, yeah, I thought there was something really, really original about the way they did this. I will (laughs) say as well, I have seen two Korean films in my life, (laughs) both of those this year. Both yeah. of them awesome. So a hundred percent of the Korean films I've ever seen, yeah, have been absolutely awesome. And a hundred percent of that guy from both of those films' his films have been brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I've got his name here. Choi uh, Woo Sheik. He's the baseball player, and he's the young lad the, in Parasite. Yeah, Parasite. he was. He was really good. So, and from what I understood, reading into it after, so directed. Uh, Yeon Sang-ho, sorry I pronounced that yeah. wrong. He's mainly done animated work before this. So this was released in 2016. Um, and it completely passed me by then. I think he's done something else since called Psychokinesis. I've not uh, no, known much about it. that. I no. think it was mainly released in Korea. Yeah. There but, is... Um... Well, the reason I had sort of, I'd heard about it, but never got around to watching it. And then they've released a, a trailer for the sequel um, of Train to Busan. Um, but it's actually Train to Busan Presents. And oh. then whatever. Oh, so it's, and basically, it's at, not going to be set at, on a train. No, it, looking so. at the, the trailer, it I think it's just another zombie film that they're trying to shoe into, be slightly, you know, related to it. Yeah, in some way. I, I think one thing that's happened for me this year, I mean, we're going to speak about a little bit later about another foreign language film, sort of, but I, I feel much more open to watching any film in any language with subtitles now because you really do just completely forget you, you're reading subtitles. You're completely immersed in it. We've had, um, we had a voice message off. So someone else decided to, I think quite a few people have decided to do the homeworks that we've been setting each yeah. other. And Good. we've had a voice. Well, had- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, do your homework. And we've had one particular <laughs> um, person who saw it and left us their thoughts on a voice message. All right, boys. Absolutely love the pod. Um, I've been doing the homeworks as well the last few episodes. So can we just stop? Absolutely love the pod. That was the pod. most important thing. Yeah, Great. but he loves it. <laughs> well, I thought Fun. I'd give you a little bit of a review of the train to Busan now. You know, Greg, that I wouldn't normally have bought into the idea of a Korean film unless you'd taken me to see Parasite. Um, so it was actually quite easy to decide to actually watch it um, when Dave recommended it. But tell you something now, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I'm not a big fan of zombies. Um, I don't particularly like horror films, so the thought of zombies would have put me off. But actually, I thought it was a really nice film. Um, Ups and down in terms of emotions, in terms of the characters and everything else. I, I liked one character, they were killed off. I liked another character, they were killed off. Um, I thought at the end they were going to kill them off. I hope that's not a spoiler for anyone. But overall, I mean, it's not necessarily my cup of tea. You know, I like The Gentleman. I'm going to keep dropping that in there so you watch it. 
but I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Very good film. So, Train to Busan, quite a nice film. I don't think many would describe it as quite a nice film. Definitely not. There you go. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, if you want to leave us a voice message, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash dads on film. There's a little button there and you can very quickly and easily leave us a voice message. I hope. Be nice. No one else has managed to do it yet. (laughs) I managed to leave one for myself off my wife's phone. Nice. Uh, You know know what I like about that? I think I I really like that people are getting to see films that they wouldn't necessarily have seen before, especially foreign language films, which deserve so much, so much more respect than they actually get. So brilliant. Good work, Wardy. So what about Queen and Slim? Did you manage to watch that? Yeah, I, I did watch it. Um, there was definitely some parts of it that I, I really enjoyed. There was some quite sort of creative um, decisions sort of made, I suppose. But on the other hand, there was definitely bits that I didn't quite agree with. And yeah, I suppose we'll get into that in a second. So just a bit of background. Uh, the film came out this year. Uh, it was directed by Melina Matsukas. And it stars Daniel Kaluuya and Jodie Turner-Smith as the titular characters. Or does it? Well, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> the plot follows uh, an African-American couple who go on a first date. So then on the way home, they get pulled over by the police. And after an altercation, the police officer is killed. And then they basically go on the run. Um, and that's kind of the plot, would you say, Greg? That, yeah, I mean, that's all in the trailer. So that's definitely not a spoiler. So yeah, to, what you've got is a sort of roman- romantic road trip um, Bonnie and Clyde sort of thing that ensues. And I think I said last week, they they don't try and hide the fact that it's a Bonnie and Clyde kind of mm. thing that develops from there. Yeah, definitely. So the things that I liked about it, there was um, some quite obvious Tarantino references in the, in the first sort of 20 minutes. There's uh, quite a blatant trunk shot, you know, inside the boot of the car, yeah, yeah. Um, starting a film with characters talking in a diner with you know a lot of sort it's of dialogue reservoir dogs definitely um but that was good that was really good um i liked the kind of the thing that they're reluctantly thrown together they don't actually get on for the majority of the film they're not she even says you know i wasn't gonna go on a, a second date with you i quite like that you see the the relationship kind of build i really liked the cinematography as well it was slightly Everything was slightly obscure, felt like a bit of a dream throughout the majority of the film. Um, And a lot of the way it was framed, you wouldn't, it's sort of slightly unconventional. You wouldn't necessarily frame it in that particular way. So there was one particular shot where they're in a a truck and they they drive up to like a, a, a petrol station and the camera's fitted to the back of the uh, back of the truck so you basically you can see him walk out and go to the uh, go into the gas station you can see her in in the car freaking out and it's i just quite liked it you wouldn't normally do that there'd be more sort of cuts between between both of them yeah, yeah but it's just done in a slightly more creative way we'd said this to each other in the week that she uh melina matsukas the director i said I, I bet she has directed music videos before because a lot of the time in in the film it seemed a little bit too much style over substance at times so they do these really long sort of lingering shots on the characters to some cool music that although yeah looked amazing looked really great didn't really Mm. give much to the story sometimes which ultimately made me feel it was just far too long it was like two hours and 20 minutes and which again leads to i kind of just felt sometimes that it was right here's a hiccup 
right, we've overcome the hiccup. Let's drive. Yeah. Okay, here's another hiccup. And that happens maybe like five or six times throughout the film. And I'm just, I was just sort of like, I was really enjoying it. And then, oh, okay, we've, we've been here before now. Yeah. All oh, right, yeah. Then is the next thing. Okay. And oh, that's right. <laughs> one, one thing that, that stood out to me was the fact that a lot of the plot played out out of sheer convenience. Everything yeah, was so definitely. convenient. It was like mm. so much luck on their side. Yeah. That it, it was kind of distracting because it was so hard to believe that things would work out for them. Yeah, because really they, they never have many, they don't actually have many issues along the way. You know, like, all right, the car breaks down, which inevitably it's going to break down, but they just happen to have the exact amount of money to fix the car and then they move on and then something else, you know, something else bad happens, but they conveniently get, get, find a way around it. Do you know what I mean? It was just, it was all very convenient. I think, I think the main, the main thing of the film though, was that I think in the opening scene, the uh, queen, the female character, Jodie Turner Smith. Yeah. Is it Jodie Turner Smith? Jodie Turner Turner Smith. This is her, this is her first feature film. Instead of the trailer, introducing Jodie Turner-Smith. She's quite cold. Her character's quite cold towards Mm. Daniel Kaluuya's character. And you see that the plot really is their relationship and how that develops throughout their journey together, really, and how that comes along. What I quite liked as well is the, the sort of personalities interchange throughout the, throughout the film. So she's really cold to him at first. And then, it sort of swaps and there's times where he he's quite aggressive and loses loses his temper and almost comes across quite threatening and she seems a bit scared of him sometimes but yeah. then in the next scene it's back as it was she's really cold and it, it's quite hard to judge sometimes and as well they can't it sort of sw- swaps like the confidence who's in charge a lot of the time as well I f- yeah so like he's at first he's he's the sort of scared one and she's making them go on go on the run where he wants to turn himself in. And then it, it sort of changes scene to scene. Um, as well, it, it, it's kind of like he seemed more to be the more corrupted one out of them. Did you, did you find that? I don't know. Although she, yeah, she, had better, she had a better sort of prospects in life, being a lawyer and things like that. But it's just subtle things like he doesn't drink and then he, drink, he, he starts drinking at one point in the film. He doesn't smoke, but then he smokes later on in the well, film. A, and it just seemed like he bit- was the one. There's a poignant bit early on where she asks him if he's okay and he says, yeah, and she says, how is that possible? You took someone's life yesterday. And he was kind of quite at peace with having done that early on, wasn't he? Uh, Which is a a little bit strange. Uh, I thought that phenomenal actors, both of them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I said last week how much I'm enjoying seeing Daniel Kaluuya in everything he, he does. I mean, particularly his standout piece for me is Get Out. I think that's absolutely awesome if you've not seen that yeah. you need to go and see it i think there's something just so captivating about his eyes i think mm. he's he's a good eye actor if that, <laughs> if that <laughs> makes sense well he's, he's been in low he's been in loads of things before then like, quite a lot of tv uh one he of started friend, skins didn't he yeah it was skins uh our friend chris pointed out that he was in um, kick-ass 2 probably not his finest moment yeah. but the thing that the thing that i remember him from was um i think it's episode two of black mirror um oh. it's called like I don't know, 150,000 credits or something. It's a really, really strange episode, um, which <laughs> that doesn't say much for an episode of Black Mirror, but um, he is incredible in it. And that always stuck out to me. And I, I, I always thought he's going to, you know, he's going to be massive Beautiful. and be in loads of stuff where he, he definitely is. So overall, 
I yeah, I, I I did enjoy it. It looked, I think it looked better sometimes than it actually was. But definitely some baggy plot points. Um, and as we said in a lot of these, it could have been half an hour shorter at least. Okay, so start the news. Unfortunately, some sad news this week, Greg. Um, so Sir Ian Holm famous for playing Bilbo Baggins in uh, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit films, sadly died this week. Are there, are there any films that you remember him from? Yeah, I did see the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I'm not going to start right now by saying Lord of the Rings is my thing. I've seen, seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but at the time it wasn't. I couldn't, I couldn't buy into, into the whole... Everyone, everyone going, everyone was going around telling me how epic and great it was. However, genuinely, the, the thing that lasted with me was the performance of the Bilbo Baggins actor, who I now now know is Ian Holm. It did really stick with me, and I gather he well, he was on, he was in the first and the third film, wasn't he? He wasn't in the yeah, second one. Yeah, and I gather he went on to do the Hobbit trilogy as well, which I've not seen. You say something. Okay, now. great. <laughs> I the the big thing for me that I remember Ian Holm in was Alien. He played Ash, um, the the android uh, in Alien. Um, and he was absolutely incredible in it. And then he went on to do slightly less well-known films, but he was always sort of at the forefront of the of the film industry. Um, in the 90s, one of the big films, and, and actually it's funny, my wife Max pointed this out. She was like, oh, Ian Holm, he, he was the guy from Fifth Element, isn't he? Oh, and I was like, how the hell okay. did how the hell did you know that? She absolutely loves Fifth, Fifth Element. It's really strange. Your, yeah, your, encycl- a, your encyclopedic film knowledge is obviously rubbing off on her. She's I know, yeah, to, I think so. She's starting to but catch She's always, always loved Fifth Element. I really don't okay. know why. It's a strange film. Um, yeah. But then another big one that um, that he was in, it was a much smaller part, but it's one that I film that I absolutely love, which was Garden State, which was Zach Braff's. Um, yeah. Feature, yeah, his, his first um, feature film uh, that he wrote and directed. He played his dad in it, and it was a really, really good good role um so obviously he's not been in much the past few years because of because of obviously his health but the films that he has been in and that we we remember he was always quite prominent in them and it, you know he, he was a really fantastic actor so he, i'm sure he'll, he'll definitely be missed the other one quite a sad one for batman fans as well yeah because unfortunately over the weekend uh, joel schumacher who directed batman forever and batman and robin uh, sadly passed away Think what you want about those two films, but he was definitely, uh, he, de- he was a very interesting director who had his own style. He made some really, really unique films. So if, you, if we just look back at some of them, Lost Boys, um, which is an <laughs> absolutely fantastic 80s film. Uh, one of his big vampires, ones that stuck that out one. for me, <laughs> Vampire, it is Vampires, Greg, yes, well done. <laughs> he's made quite a few films with Kiefer Sutherland, so he, he's done, um, he did The Lost Boys, he did Flatliners. And one film that really stuck out to me, again, I'm sure a lot of people are going to hate this film, but I really enjoyed it, uh, was Phone Booth. Did you ever see Phone Booth? I loved Farrell. Phone Booth, Colin, Colin yeah. Farrell, yeah. yeah. So really yeah, Joel Schumacher that. directed that Um yeah, it was just amazing. I think he went, he went from uh, Batman and Robin to make Phone Booth quite a different, uh, quite a sort yeah. of jump from those two. But as I say, you know, think what you want about those films. They definitely aren't the best Batman films at all, but a very unique guy, very unique director with his own vision. So, uh, you know, again, he'll be sadly missed. So in a bit more uplifting news, Michael Keaton is 
supposedly going to come back as Batman. Well, did he ever really put Batman down? Because he well, did Birdman, he did Vulture, <laughs> and I think he's yeah. always wanted to come back. I think he but has, yeah. This is the Flash. It's just really strange news. It completely caught me off guard. So, yeah, they're, they're making a, a Flash movie. And, yeah, the big rumour is that Michael Keaton is going to come back and play his version of Bruce Wayne and Batman, which would be, what, 25 years since Batman Returns? Maybe yeah. longer? So I'm interested to see how that falls into a narrative of Batman and whether it's an aged Batman in the film. Yeah, I, well, the the sort of... The rumour that they're sort of umming and ahhing about is doing a Flashpoint film. And the big point of Flashpoint is uh, Barry Allen, who's the Flash, goes back uh, in time to save his mum. And basically that just makes a whole multiverse where there's different, you see different people playing Batman. Uh, Thomas Wayne, who's Bruce Wayne's dad, is Batman in the Flash, uh, in this, in this right. Flashpoint story. So I don't know whether they're going down that lines. You know, we'll wait and see, really. I think, I think what this shows, along with the other news we've been speaking about over the last couple of weeks, is there still is this huge thirst for Batman as a character and that part yeah. of the DC universe. Everyone, even though we've not got that continuity that we've got in the Marvel films, all of these little things happening show that everyone in the what in the in the what films in the in the M <laughs> in the M series that we're not allowed to speak about. Um, yeah. This shows that even though it's all a bit disjointed, everybody wants to see more Batman. Yeah. I just think it's such a brave, well, maybe not brave, but ballsy move for Michael Keaton to go, look, all these other people have played Batman since I've done it 28 <laughs> years ago. Batman Returns came out 28 years ago, and he's Hold like... Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There's a really great video. He did a he did a commencement speech at um, uh, a, a, a well college university in in America for graduation, and he end. I'll I'll find the video. I'll send it to you. But yeah. he ends the video says, "There's two words I'm going to leave you with that have stuck with me, and I think will give you motivation moving forward." And everything just goes quietly. Just goes, "I'm Batman." <laughs> That's <laughs> oh, it. Amazing. That's cool. cool. You got any more news? Yeah. You've Guess got a what? massive grin on your face. What? Go on. <laughs> Chicken Run 2. Oh. It's, they're going to develop it straight for Netflix. Straight for Netflix, um, yeah. So Chicken Run came out 20 years ago on Tuesday. Wow. Oh, my God. Do you feel old? I feel really I do feel old. very old. Very, but very old. Wow. It was, it was so awesome. And it was the old sort of Hardman style of stop motion, plasticine stuff. Like I know that recently they've done things like Arthur Christmas, which they've gone into the sort of CG sort of yeah. realm. But it was pretty special. I'm really, really excited for them. I mean, I think it's going to take them a while to make it. It takes them a while to <laughs> yeah. do those sort of things. But it's going straight to Netflix. Um, I mean, one of the, it's Nick Park. Nick Parks is still involved. Nick Park famously did the Wallace and Gromit series way back in the 90s. But yeah. Ardman co-founder Pete Lord said that they went with Netflix because, and I think, I mean, they're going to, big up Netflix they're going with them but I kind of see this they said that they're the ideal creative partner because they Netflix celebrate the filmmaker which means they can make the film that they want to make and we were speaking a couple of weeks ago about studio control for yeah. films I think that's one thing that Netflix does brilliantly is mm. trust the director and it's able to give that freedom for yeah 
directors to make the film that they really want to make i'm really really excited we might have to wait i think it'd probably be 2022 before chicken one two comes out yeah but i'm really excited about it it'd be interesting to see who they're casting whether they actually take a mel gibson mel gibson or not because he's, he's been in the news again recently unfortunately oh, oh, so we'll, we'll we'll wait and see oh, about that mel. one oh mel <laughs> so okay so since we recorded the last episode it's been more set in stone that cinemas will be opening soon, which amazing. I'm so happy about, Cannot particularly wait. the fact that we're going to be able to see Tenet and we're going to do yeah. a big thing of counting down to Tenet over yeah. the next few weeks. So Cineworld in particular have announced that, um, the date that they're opening. And I mean, unfortunately, my cinema hasn't said anything yet, which is worrying me a little bit. They're more of an independent chain. Yeah, yeah. But f- fingers crossed, the others now they've you know they've had the green light to open in a safe, COVID secure way. They'll start figuring out how they're going to do that. But it'll be so nice to be back. Yeah, I'm quite interested to see what they're going to do because obviously a lot of films where you know that were due to come out, you know, March, April time, their their release dates have been completely moved. So for example, no no time to die. The bar, yeah. uh, Bond was supposed to be out in April, but they've pushed it to november and i think they've even pushed it further back so i'm curious to see actually what films are going to be out in you know july when the cinemas actually open. obviously we were we were most saddened by the fact that peter rabbit 2 had to get pushed back obviously to that is a it, it is a is a real real I shed, shame. I shed a tear <laughs> i'll put some crickets in <laughs> should, we, should we take a moment for peter rabbit 2 no. So, um, <laughs> other news today. <laughs> other news was announced that uh, Jamie Foxx is going to play Mike Tyson oh, cool. in, a, in a biopic. I can which, see that. Yeah. I, yeah, I can definitely see that. Jamie Foxx obviously has won an Oscar for playing uh, Ray Charles, amazingly played Ray Charles in, uh, in Ray, obviously. Um, I'm quite interested to see what they're going to do with this one because Mike Tyson's an absolute nutcase. So, I'd quite like to see them go down the lines of almost like Rocketman-esque, a bit surreal, a bit, you know, a bit otherworldly, maybe. Yeah, I mean, with these biopics, 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 biopics. Bio- yeah, whatever you like, it's fine. With these biopics, I mean, I think of one clear contrast of biopics that came out quite close to each other, but there was a stark contrast between them in the way they presented their subjects were Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocketman. Rocketman. Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, I think, was quite a glossy portrayal of Freddie Mercury. They kind of didn't go into the darker depths of Freddie Mercury's life. It was almost like a posthumous advert for Freddie Mercury, whereas Rocketman, I think it's fair to say, was kind of warts and all. Yeah, definitely. Ho- I, hopefully. I, I mean, I much preferred the latter. Yeah, me too. I think um, Bohemian Rhapsody was it was a film made by committee, like definitely Brian May and Roger Taylor. They they were the Downers executive producers on the film, so they had a big say in what was going on. You know, you got to think they they they've got to well, they don't have to, but they are just thinking about protecting their their brand. Right. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, well, whereas oh. Elton doesn't, Elton just doesn't <laughs> care, which is amazing. I absolutely yeah. love that. I really, really enjoyed Rocket Man actually a, a lot more than Bohemian Rhapsody. I think it's one of my favourite films of 2019, without a doubt. 2019, yeah. 2019. Yeah. Yep. Quick mention to our sponsor Jujuni. It's really cool to be working with them. 
amazing local children's clothing company. They've sent us some fantastic pieces that our kids absolutely love. Lovely corduroy dungarees. Really nice bright colours. So you can find them on Instagram at Jujuni Kids. That's J-U-J-U-N-I Kids. And their website, jujuni.co.uk. So we both decided to watch a new film this week, Dave. It's 7500 from German director Patrick Volrath. What did you think? You're definitely on like a radio DJ today. Hey! Hey, hey we are The louder you scream, the faster the ride. Shabba. Um, <laughs> Shabba. It's got Joseph Gordon-Levitt in, which, and he's not been around for quite a few years, really. No, yeah, I think he's taken off. a bit of time off, yeah. So yeah, I think he's done the odd, <laughs> odd like, little cameo or something like that. But this is, this is quite um, an intense piece to come back on because it's him in a cockpit for 90 minutes. And yeah. 7500 is actually the emergency transponder code for unlawful interference. So basically, it's a hijack film. But it plays out in pretty much real time. And his plane takes off from Berlin. It's heading towards Paris. And pretty soon into the flight, terrorists try to take control of the plane. What did he make of 7500? You're getting too cocky with this. What did you uh, make of? Uh, well, Greg, I had some thoughts about that uh, <laughs> that particular particular picture. Um, well, my main issue, Greg, was that I watched it without subtitles because Amazon decided to take the subtitles off, and it's supposed to have subtitles. Yeah, I subtitles. Think that should, I mean, we should we should have we should have started from that, and we'll probably finish with it. Is put the subtitles on? Yeah, yeah. Amazon don't do it for you. God knows why. I think they've had problems with this in the past with yeah. foreign language. You know films. what? It was so funny. There's, there was a f- few scenes where, because it, it, it is actually a German film. It's a, you know, a ger- it's German companies that made this film. And there's quite a few scenes where earlier on, the, quite short scenes, there's two German characters talking to each other. And I'm sat there thinking, all right, obviously I don't, I don't speak German, but maybe that's the point. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're trying to sort of alienate, alienate you a little bit because Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character doesn't speak German as well. So He's I thought, American. all right, that's, yeah, that's quite a smart, smart little trick. But then these scenes got longer and longer. <laughs> and I can imagine there was quite a lot of plot, you know, plot points going into them. There was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, for- I'm sort of, I'm, I'm looking over at my wife going, should we be? You think we're supposed to know what's what they're saying here? So we had to pop the subtitles on and then well, do a little rewind. <laughs> fortunately, we both watched it on the same night, and you text me. You were ahead of me, and you text me saying, "Do you have subtitles on the German speaking <laughs> bits?" Because we don't. So on the back of that, I put them on from the start. Uh, and nice. what happened? <laughs> no, we we uh, we put them on and then skip back a little bit, so we we got the gist of what was going on. To be honest, it was quite edge of your seat, edge of your seat stuff. I really like the way it played out in real time, and it certainly wasn't predictable in the way it played out either. What I will say though is, I think the synopsis, certainly the last line of the synopsis, ruins too much for you. Oh, really? Because should we maybe I mean, should we maybe should we just say now potential spoiler warning then for what we're going to discuss for the the well, listeners? Yeah, I think well, I think the, the the synopsis should come with a spoiler warning because the synopsis says yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you what the synopsis. In fact, let me just pull up the synopsis and tell you what it what it reads. I think to get most enjoyment out of this film, I think skip forward about thirty seconds in the podcast after I finish talking about this. But the synopsis okay. says. 
When Terrace tried to seize control of a Berlin-Paris flight, a soft-spoken young American co-pilot struggles to save the lives of the passengers and crew. Fine, yeah. Yeah. Whilst forging a surprising connection with one of the hijackers. And for <laughs> me, like that was the cool bit that kind of played out, which I don't think you should sort of see coming necessarily because that was kind yeah. of like a bit of a twist in the way it played out, really. And it didn't come you know into what? later on in the film. You know what? I, I thought that was the worst part of the film. I thought that was like massively predictable. That, that entire sort of last, last maybe half an hour of the film i thought that's when it just completely lost um just lost its momentum you know what i mean and like all the pace yeah. of the film just went and i was the first half i was it was so intense it was really really good really gripping and joseph gordon levitt was amazing in it i've got yeah. other things to say about joseph gordon levitt in a minute but i just felt that it sort of slipped a little bit into cliche that bit um, yeah. almost, think, Cap, you know, Captain Phillips-esque sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, but I can see what they're trying to do because, I mean, four, four lions do it in a very different way, but what they're really trying to do is kind of show that these extremists, that there, is, there are some of these extremists who are being completely exploited yeah. in situations like this, and you've got these young men who are being put in a situation that they don't necessarily want to be in, and there's this 18-year-old mm. lad. I think we'll ha I'm happy to talk about it now. Yeah. Right, forget those people out spoilers. Um, there's this 18-year-old lad who clearly does not want to be part of this group hijacking the plane, and he has still got this moral compass, and a lot of the, the way the film plays out is the dilemma that's going on in this young lad's head i think the idea there is great the execution was not brilliant and ultimately mm. i found it very unsatisfying the way it played yeah. out i think i i agree with you it was some parts of it were done really really well as i say you know maybe the first 35 minutes 40 minutes were done really really well but the rest of it was quite heavy-handed i thought like the opening, the opening credits. It starts with like CCTV footage of of the the ter well, yeah, the terrorists going through the airport. I thought that just wasn't wasn't needed. Do you know what I mean? I think it would. We we knew something was going to happen. It's it's a film set on a plane. Do you know what I mean? And it's called sure. Seven Five Zero Zero. That showed it wasn't the most disciplined. One of my favorite characters in it was the captain, Michael. He was. I, I said to Max, I was like, he's really cool. I like he's him. Really, really cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Jo Joseph Jordan Levitt's character, I thought was jo great. I think jo Joseph Joseph Jordan, Jordan Levitt. Did I say Jordan? <laughs> Joseph Gordon Levitt. Jo Joseph Gordon Levitt's character is really great. I think if if you want someone in control of a plane that you're on, yeah. who's going to keep calm in the situation, <laughs> it's Joseph yeah. Gordon Levitt. It, yeah. I think he was absolutely. I've got. I've got this weird thing about Joseph Gordon-Levitt. We keep saying Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I wonder how many times we can say Joseph Gordon-Levitt. But my thing about Joseph Gordon-Levitt is he's got, right, this sounds really strange. He's a really brilliant actor and there's some amazing things that he's done. One big standout for me is a film called Brick, which I'm not sure if you've seen. If, if you've not seen it, you really need to watch it. Ryan Johnson directed it. He did, who did okay. um, Knives Out and Star Wars, Last Jedi. Um, but so Joe's gonna let it's got this thing, he's got a dancer's walk, right? Yeah, I know that sounds strange. You've just looked at me in a very strange way, but he's he got the much same walk, walk. In the exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's my point. So sometimes I find it really difficult to believe him 
in these yeah. particular in particular roles. So, for example, example, he played um, Edward Snowden. Yeah, well, that's the last Edward, feature yeah. film he did before. Yeah, yeah. So he played Edward Snowden, and I'm like, all right, yeah, he's got the voice. He kind of looks like him a little bit. He walks like a dancer. Yeah, you know, like a, like a, a classically trained you know performer. Sure, and yeah. I always lose it a little bit, it and that was one of the issues you. I had. Yeah, one of the issues I slightly had with him in The Dark Knight Rises. Um, but he doesn't walk in this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, so, uh, so he was believable. <laughs> Liked well, it. <laughs> he was believable. I mean, there's two sides to that, aren't there? Because he he played this very professional calm and composed yeah. pilot in this awful situation that's going on and without giving too much away awful things happen throughout the film yeah but you i never felt it really, really? you feel yeah. it for the seconds seconds after these things happen but then yeah. the rest of the film it's like it's like he's forgotten mm. that this has happened yeah I mean, he, he brush things proposed. off quite quickly yeah yeah there were some really creative and inventive little like aspects to it. So the the using the screen, you know, to see what was going on in, yeah. in that, you know, on the aisle. I thought that was really good and like the curtain covering um covering the, the rest What's of the you know on? the fuselage. So that was just built up so much so so much tension. So you know, you knew these guys were gonna burst through that curtain any A second. lot of it was about what you just didn't, didn't see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I liked you got that constant banging on the door. Did you know it's yeah, like that just that. kept on going and then we just like poof, building building it was like you know for the first maybe 20 minutes we were just like oh my god what's gonna like what's going on it was brutal but as i say it sort of fell fell into a little bit cliche towards the end and what i and i suppose i'm not sure if you'll agree with me on this one obviously you know the entire film is set on the plane but I would have liked, and again, this is going to get into spoilers because we're going to maybe talk about the ending slightly. I would have liked almost a little bit of a debrief at the end. So him yeah. uh, hit, hit showing how he's, how he's come, not him back at home or anything like that, but him with, with the police and things like that. Sure. Like um, if you ever saw Captain Phillips, I know I mentioned that earlier, but if you ever mm-hmm. saw Captain Phillips with, with uh, uh, Tom Hanks, the best part of that film, and to be honest, Tom Hanks' best acting in anything he's ever done is the last maybe two minutes of Captain Phillips. It's absolutely brilliant, and Wait, it would have Cap- been. I, I, I would have Captain liked Captain Phillips. Oh, uh, that's not the Hudson that was one, the, is it? No, no, that's Sully. So Captain Phillips is the is the one where he's the the captain of the boat that gets taken by the Somali pirates. Okay, yeah, it's brilliant. You need to watch it. It's really, really good. I am. Well, yeah. So I would have just liked to see that bit of emotion from him because again as you say he was so sort of calm and composed for you know 90 percent of that film it would have been nice just to see a little bit more from him and actually get a bit of an ending because the ending was a little bit naff (laughs) you literally do not see other than the cctv in the opening Hmm. you literally don't see anything beyond that cockpit for the entire film which goes back to my, my point is like, well, if you've got that CCTV, you're not, the film isn't entirely set in, in the plane. So why, so, you know, so why, do why didn't we just get a little bit more, you know, uh, you know, a little bit more of him at the end. If we didn't get that yeah. ended, we didn't need that beginning. No, I agree. Yeah. Overall then, what, what did you think? I mean, it was gripping for 90 minutes. I was, you know, my fists were clenched. I was sort of edge, edge of my seat, mm. but it it was ultimately unsatisfying. I think it was uh, there were some really good ideas there. 
but not brilliantly executed. I think we have to let's remember this, this Patrick Volrath, this German director, it's his first feature film. I think it's the ideal sort of comeback film for Joseph Gordon-Levitt because he's always tried to prove himself. I feel in in roles he did a lot. He's done a lot of like indie stuff um, where you know he was the lead, and then he's sort of gradually slipped into supporting, you know, supporting yes. roles. And then when he does do a lead role, it kind of goes a little bit unnoticed. He did Man on Wire, and he did, as we said, uh, Snow, the Snowden film as well. So it was nice to see a bit of a gimmick you know, to the film, but him him trying to really show off what he can do. Okay, so we are midway through the year, so we thought we'd do a little bit of a retrospective of 2020 and give you a bit of an insight of the films we've seen already that have been released in 2020, what our thoughts are on them. Let's go back to January. So one of the, I think one of the first films that came out this year that most people went to the cinema to see was 1917. Yeah, yeah Sam Mendes is 1917. First of all, if you haven't seen 1917 in the cinema, you're never going to truly catch up with it because I think yeah. it certainly was a film that was made to be seen on the big screen. Mm. Now, the whole thing with 1917, and I think the reason it got so much media attention is because it was shot to look like a single take. This obviously goes back to like... Goodfellas was one of the first big ones that did a single take shot, which was the shot of him walking through the kitchen into the uh, yeah. restaurant, to yeah. sitting down. And that was, what, a couple of minutes. This is kind of going all the way and making a whole film made, and I will say to look like it's all in one take. But even to make it look like it's all in one take, you are still talking about shots five, some 10 minutes long yeah. that have very clever ways of doing the transitions between them. So it's set in the trenches, obviously in 1917 in the First World War. And it basically follows the journey of two lads who are sent on a mission to go over no man's land Mm. and go to another station, would you say? Get to another station, basically deliver a message to another unit. I think... Firstly, what I will say is it needs to be seen because the effect of that single take is brilliant. Like, as, as a technical achievement, mm. it is absolutely super, superb, but it kind of, the gimmick of that gets in the way, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly my, my feedback on that film. There wasn't, to me, much depth to it because it's 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 almost like showing off look what we can do look how cool this 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 20 minute shot is look look at this we're we're moving the cameras around and you, you know we've not cut for half an hour i was like yeah but i'm not that bothered about that if i'm perfectly honest with you i want a good story i was almost waiting for you know to see oh they're going into a dark room if they go into a dark room the cameras are cutting and i think yeah. that was just taking me away from the story um yeah. Which is, it's, it's a shame really, because Sam Mendes is an interesting director. I know I say interesting a lot. Oh, well. Um, you know, he's got a solid track record of films, American Beauty, Road to Perdition, Jarhead, amongst other Skyfall, really you know. Yeah. yeah. Mm, debatable. Um, that's for another time. Uh, and I feel like, I don't know, I just don't feel this film fits into his, his back, co- back catalogue at all. Um, no. It's... I feel like it's, it's probably his weakest film. The thing about 
the idea between 1917 is the way it's shot. And I know, obviously, the director has a lot to do with that, but really it's mm. Roger Deakins' work. Yeah, yeah. And he's the, he's the guy behind making all that happen. And mm. vi- like I say, visually, I think everyone should see it. And it's a shame that most people won't get, who haven't seen it won't get a chance to see it on a big screen now. Yeah. Visually, it is incredible. And the technical achievement of that is un- unbelievable. Yeah, but but there's yeah that, there's more cool. to it. There's more to a film than just that, isn't there? Really? Exactly. Okay. One of the other film. <laughs> one of the other films I saw back in January. I don't think you've seen, but I want to give it a mention because I don't think it got that much press attention. And that's Just Mercy. It's got Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Fox, and he's basically a Harvard lawyer who goes to Alabama um, to sort of defend people on death row I, th- I think i'm not going to give much more away but i think everyone should go and check it out i i thought it was very thoughtful i learned loads about death row in the u.s and alabama judicial system and it's i, I just don't think it's definitely worth the mention because i know it's not really been promoted <laughs> that well yeah it was one that definitely skipped me by obviously the point of the podcast is we're dads so i don't get we don't get as much time to sort of go yeah. to the cinema to see everything unfortunately these days so it was just one of those ones that skipped me by i think it was something but, I'd, i i just took a punt on it really i think I, there wasn't a great deal else on at the time and i was just like oh yeah i'll fancy that and i'm really glad i did sometimes they are the most pleasantly surprising films yeah, definitely. One of the uh, big releases in January in the UK was Jojo Rabbit. Oh, and we've <laughs> spoken before how yeah, much we, we love Taika Waititi. T- tell me you loved it. We've never really spoken about Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I, I love all his films, to be honest. And everything he's done has been has, has been so, so weird and wonderful. And I think this was just this was the perfect sort of um, like almost like small little indie film to come to go from uh, Thor Ragnarok to Jojo Rabbit. It was just, it was just like, I'll do whatever I want. And this is what I want to do. I'm going to play Hitler. <laughs> yeah. <I've, laughs> you know? oh, do you know what, what, what angered me around the time? There were a couple of critics and one in particular who stands in for a popular film hmm. podcast yes. and he slated it. And the reason he slated it was because it didn't take the Holocaust seriously enough or didn't, but, but I think he completely missed the point of it. I think it did have absolutely the right balance of sentiment. And what Taika Waititi managed to do was really sort of use humor to deal with a tragic, it was set in a tragic occasion, Mm. but, but we all know that we all know the horrors of what was going on around that time. But also it's a child's perspective on those things as well. So, of course, he's got an imaginary friend. He sees things in a little bit more of a lighthearted manner. Do you know what Absolutely. I mean? And I think, I think Tyker is a man-child, so it was, it's just the, per, you know, the perfect sort of combination of, of things to, to actually approach a, a, top, a topic so, you know, so yeah. devastating and so dark and horrific as that. I had an ear-to-ear grin on my face all the way through that film, and... I think everyone, everyone needs to go and see Jojo Rabbit. And the, at the, I won't tell you what happens. At the very end, when some music comes on and there's some dancing. Yeah, yeah. And it was Amazing. just like, oh, wow. That is one of the most perfect pieces of cinema I have seen. Yeah. 
a film that I saw in February, and I don't think you saw it, uh, Greg, was Dark Waters with Mark the Ruffalo. Rough. Yeah, yeah, the rough. Um, so this was this was again one that sort of uh, wasn't promoted much. Uh, it's a much sort of smaller film than the the films, the M films that we can't talk about. Um, yes that Mark Ruffalo has been in before. Although I think we definitely mentioned Thor Ragnarok earlier. Never mind. <clears throat> so Dark Water is basically he's, um, Mark Ruffalo is, a, is a, a lawyer in, I think it's maybe like Alabama or something like that. Okay. And a family, a family friend comes to see him and says, basically, I want you to, to represent me because all my cows keep dying. He's a farmer, so all my cows did, keep dying. So we should say this is based on a true story as well. This is based on a true story, and it is absolutely mental. Like when you read into, it, I read in, I read all about it after, and it is really scary actually. Um, so basically, this guy he's saying oh, all his cows keep dying on his farm because this to- uh, this basically like toxic plant. All their chemicals are basically spilling onto his land. It's a really sort of paranoid film. It's a really quite dark film. Literally, it's a very dark film. It's it's just grey the entire thing, but actually, it opens up some really really scary facts about the world and and the big you know big chemical companies in America. Yeah. Um, and the fact that I, money I, money controls. Yeah, I really cannot sort of uh, recommend it enough. It was brilliant. Really really good film. Did you see the personal history of David Copperfield? I did see a personal history of David Copperfield. Tell me you liked it. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> this is, you keep saying, tell me you like it. I loved it, Greg. Um, <laughs> well, we're big fans of Armando Iannucci because oh, of Partridge. Yeah. Partridge and Brass Eye and the Day yeah. Today and all, all those sorts of things. Um, I absolutely loved, yeah, Thick of It and Veep, but I absolutely loved his last film, which is The Death of Stalin which was so dark, it was ridiculous, but again, absolutely hilarious. So when they said that he was doing his take on David Copperfield, I was a little bit, you know, yeah, skeptical, a bit confused about it all, but it was just such a lovely film. I can't can't really describe it in any other way. It was just lovely. Dev Patel was just perfect for it, wasn't he? Because he is this sort of like... And ever since he was in Skins, I, I, yeah. we've mentioned Skins a couple of times today, but yeah. Skins seem to have born, birthed loads of great young actors, yeah, certainly definitely. from that first season. Dev Patel in Skins was this smile on his face, happy-go-lucky, chappy. And yeah, yeah he's, he's grown up a lot since then. And as an actor, he has grown up. And Lion was, Lion actually is one yeah, of my favourite films brilliant. that I've seen yeah. in the last few years. Um, and I think, from what I understand, that's what I when Armando Iannucci saw him and thought, actually, he's perfect for mm. David Copperfield. Very slapstick, very sort of yeah. silent cinema sort of style in the way he sort of played the character. Yeah. I and- love the supporting cast. It, the supporting cast was just unbelievable. you got Paul Whitehouse, who's one of the best actors ever, I think, because yeah. of the Hugh Laurie. <laughs> Hugh Laurie was just hilarious in it. You've got yeah. um, Benedict. Oh, Benedict. Uh, Benedict Wong. Long from one of yeah. the one of the M films. We can't discuss. Peter Peter Capaldi. Capaldi was brilliant. Oh. Just just an absolutely amazing cast. Um, and they all, well, they all and just it, look like they were having a great time as well. Yeah, it was, and it and it's worth mentioning about the cast as well. It's really significant what Ianucci's done here. It's it's I think they call it colorblind casting. Yeah, so definitely. 
It was a really, really fun watch. I mean, I'm just looking back in my notes from when I, I took my mum and dad to see it and uh, oh, wow. the cinema back in, back in January and they loved it too. And in my notes, sometimes I write extensive notes like in my little film diary of what I've seen and sometimes I just write very short notes and all I've written for this is, I enjoyed that so, so much. Laughed lots and cried too. And I did, Excellent. I cried. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So taking a slightly darker turn from that, we both watched Bombshell in February, didn't we? Yeah, so it's a true story about um, Fox News and the CEO, Roger Ailes, and the way he basically sexually harassed his, his employees. Yeah, a lot of it was kind of unknown to us, I suppose. We, the, you know, we didn't have tons of you know, uh, prior no. knowledge of it, I suppose. It's kind of become known since the Weinstein Me Too um, s- scandal broke. That's not him doing it justice by calling it a scandal, but uh, yeah, it kind of shows that this sort of behavior amongst powerful people in different industries, particularly in the media, was absolutely rife. And it's quite terrifying. Some of the mm. scenes in that, there's one in particular with Margot Robbie, yeah. that is really harrowing. Yeah, it's so uncomfortable, that, but obviously deliberately uncomfortable. Um, mm. And I think. You could argue, oh, did they need to show certain things? But I actually would say, yeah, they did, because it, it is so so important to see what was what has happened and what is still happening, I suppose. Again, Margot Robbie just showing that she is such a good actress. You wouldn't have think so versatile it, coming from neighbours. <laughs> Some are in neighbours. Yeah. But she she's such a vers yeah, versatile as you say. She's just a brilliant, brilliant actress. But again, a great supporting cast on that as well. Charlize Theron was just knockout yeah. in that film. She was so good. Absolutely. I mean, I would have liked to see a bit more um, depth in the characters in terms of learning a little bit more about them. I thought Margot Robbie was the best thing about it by yeah. a long shot. Um, I think obviously a really important film that drew drew attention to really awful cultures and uh, that can develop at the hands of power. But, yeah, definitely. Yeah. John Lithgow as well, just pr- again proving John Lithgow is is one of the most underutilized actors I I think these days. I say say these days for the past thirty years, he is. The first thing I saw in him was obviously Third Rock from the Sun, and yes. uh, the was it Harry and the Hendersons. I think he was in the, okay, <laughs> the right, film of Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah, but yeah. he was he really he sort of uh, challenged everyone's perceptions of him when he was in uh, he was in season four of Dexter. This sounds really okay. a real strange. This is a deep cut, Greg. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah he was in season four of dexter and played basically like the villain in it and he won an emmy for it he was yeah. so scary and just so oh just it was he was horrible in it but it was brilliant um and, he's and he was taken quite a scary lot of in this he was quite well that's the thing but i suppose uh, you know all the prosthetics and things like that he's he's, he's made to be quite an overweight guy so he sure. is quite he can be quite overpowering as well but it, it's just something about i think it's his voice he's got this kind of like quite it's hard to operatic voice i don't know it's really really sort of odd one and it just cuts through you and just some of the things he says to them to the to the women and just in the tone that he uses oh this is a visual medium (laughs) just don't just don't but really important film i do recommend it highly when 
I went to see Queen and Slim. I think that was just at the start of February. I kind of did, I did a double header. It was quite significant. Actually, my first double header on my own, I just decided, to, I managed to line up Queen and Slim followed by A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, two very different films. And A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood, it's Tom Hanks. And it's about, it's funny watching A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood as um, a Brit because it's about this guy called Fred Rogers who had a TV, children's TV show for mm. many, many years. And he, it was a bit like, how could you compare it to something in the UK? Fred Rogers was this very gentle kind-hearted gentleman who spoke down the lens to children in his show and taught them about things like kindness and empathy and all really good values and Tom Hanks I think from what clips I've seen of Fred Rogers since and actually there's some clips of Fred Rogers at the end of the film was absolutely the perfect person to play it Mm. So like I say, it's a bit funny seeing it as a Brit because if you're watching it as an American, I think A, a Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood is very much part of um, American youth culture, childhood. Yeah. Growing up, I think people from many generations know about Fred Rogers and A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. We do get on streaming services, there's a cartoon version called Daniel Tiger. It's called Daniel Tiger's Neighbourhood. And my kids right. watch that and it's, it's like a spin-off. Of yeah. Oh, the, right. the, the Fred, Fred Rogers' uh, Neighbourhood. Um, I mean... It's Tom Hanks, and that's all you need to know. And yeah. he's he's very discerning about the roles he takes. And it was just a really, really lovely character piece from Tom Hanks that I think everyone should try and take the opportunity to see. One of the big films on Netflix this year was Uncut Gems. Um, oh, wow, we, wow, we. I've been saying for years that Adam Sandler is an absolutely amazing actor. He's just in some absolutely terrible films terrible. <laughs> but he's he's done films in the past where he's shown a a more serious side and although the, the character in in this howard isn't it howie um in uncut gems yeah. he's he is a little bit playful it, it, yeah there's a definite dark streak to him he's done these films so we mentioned judd apatow's funny people last last week he, he's yeah. he's quite serious in that at times he did a film called rain over me and okay. um, Maybe yeah. like 15 years ago, where he played a guy where his, his wife and kids actually died in 9 11. Um, okay. Punch he, Drunk Love was, as well. He did a. He did Punch Drunk Love, the Paul Thomas Anderson um, yeah. film as well. So he, he comes out every now and again with these absolute like knockout performances, but yeah. then does the ridiculous six or these, these terrible, terrible Happy, Mad- Happy Madison <laughs> films. Yeah. Um, but this was one of his knockout performances. He was unbelievable in this film. Do you know if if you if you are an anxious person, it's probably a <laughs> difficult watch. I mean, it could give the calmest people the yeah. greatest anxiety watching this play out because it, it's not an easy watch at all. It's not a relaxing watch. You will be, yeah. you will have your palms will be sweaty, your yeah. fists will be clenched. With- you said to me, did you like it? And I was like, no, I absolutely hated it. <laughs> I loved the film, but I hated watching it because I'm just like, why are you doing these things? Yeah. And you just, but you're like, I've totally believed it. I didn't agree with anything he did, but 
I believed why he was doing each thing. You saw all the cogs ticking in his head all, you know, you fi- all the you time. You completely feel like, oh, for him, mate, don't you? Stop. Yeah. Well, no, I did. I did. The thing is, I didn't feel for him because I did. As I said, I didn't agree with any single decision he made, <laughs> but I knew why he did them. It's 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 an odd one. It was yeah. like, like don't no, don't do that. But you can see the you can see his his mind making these decisions. Just yeah. brilliant. And oh. do you know what? Really, really cool to see such a great film getting premiered on Netflix. So, you know, the day that came out, I was yeah. able to go straight to it. it I, 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 I don't think it would have, that film would have necessarily got a cinematic release in yeah. the studio today. Yeah, definitely. Well, he's, he's got, he's got some sort of deal with, um, with Netflix where he, he He's got to produce, you know. He's got to come out with with a certain amount of films. But it was it was made by A twenty four on there. Safety Brothers, though. Safety yeah. Brothers, they've done some yeah. really cool stuff in the past. But the the production company is A twenty four, and they've done some amazing films. They started off just doing like really random indies, but then if you look back at the past maybe five years, they've got like they've done like Hereditary, they did Lady Bird, um, they did significant, that. significantly on our watch list is The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse, um, that's, yeah. And I that's think that's, gonna a, be, that's A24. That is A24. And the, yeah. the, one of their upcoming films is called The Green King, and it's right. it's got Dev Patel in, and they, they released a trailer a few months ago for it, and it just looks crazy. Some really mental, like medieval fantasy. It's really strange, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. Well, I think I think it says all you need to about, about A24 that a lot of their releases seem to me to be, they support indie cinema quite quite heavily yeah, so yeah, they'll yeah. release in in independent cinema before they'll release in the multiplexes yeah, as well yeah and some stuff completely the, misses the multiplexes they they produce quite a lot of films and they're fairly low budget but they tend to get massive returns so like midsummer if you again that's one i'm, I'm gonna recommend to you eventually in the homework but midsummer was crazy that was yeah. um the same director who did Hereditary, I can't remember his name, Ari After or something. But yeah, uh, Uncut Gems, absolutely unbelievable. So another film I saw that I think last month was a film by Eliza Hitman, who I've not heard a great deal about her. Um, and this is another film that sort of went without, hmm, went a little bit unnoticed, and it's called Never yeah. Rarely, Sometimes, Always. It's another one of those understated ones, and... I'm, mm. start, I'm starting to realise that actually they're the kind of films that stand out to me yeah. more, more than anything because um, it's, it's, in the, it's in the nuances that make them so special. So this is about two teenagers in Pennsylvania and basically one of them ends up with an unwanted pregnancy and it's very difficult in Pennsylvania to get an abortion. Hmm. Um, Deep. At, at that age yeah so basically they they travel to new york city together to get this abortion and that's it but it's a really nice story about the relationship between these two girls and how they support yeah. each other on this quite traumatic journey because they get on a bus and go with nothing with the intention without telling the parents with the intention of coming back the same day, but they end up having well. They end up having to stay on the streets, <laughs> and it's about the sort of the problems that they face as they go on this journey and oh, how wow. they grow together. So it's it's it, it's quite heavy, yeah. But it's really really lovely, and 
I highly recommend it. I'll just give a quick mention. So there are obviously other films that we've seen that have been released, but we've deliberately saved the best till last. Yeah, I'd I'd say so. Fittingly, this film won uh, best film and best director at the Oscars this year. Whether you agree with Oscar decisions and whether you think it's even a a relevant platform at all, but uh, Parasite, wowzer. Wow. Yeah. So we watched this together, didn't we, Greg, in the cinema? Yeah, and it's, I think this was possible. This was possibly the last film I watched in the cinema. Uh-huh. It wasn't the last film I saw in the cinema, unfortunately. I'll tell you that uh-huh. in a little while. Um, yeah, but Parasite—they made us wait for it, didn't they? Because it yeah. didn't get a UK release until after the Academy Awards. So yeah. we had to. We we heard about all the build-up to it. We saw it win, and I think it was only. Oh, was it, was it after? Was it just before? It might have been just before the Oscars that it got UK release. I'm not sure. Mm. It was very close, but we definitely heard a lot about it before we got to, yeah. got to see it. I say heard a lot about it. Heard that it was amazing. Yeah. No one gave anything away, and I don't yeah. think we're going to give anything away either. <laughs> no. We are, and that's absolutely right. We shouldn't. The best way to enjoy Parasite is cold, without yeah. a doubt. I I'm just looking back on my diary now, <laughs> and so I keep a little log in. I know you do too of the mm. films that I've seen and it's kind of date logged and the data saw them. And this is what I wrote, and I think I wrote this pretty soon after coming out of the cinema. I wrote, can't decide how I feel. It's undoubtedly made me feel something. Ask me what I think of it in a week. I recommend everyone to see it. I just don't know how good it is yet. I feel full and exhausted. So now I need to sleep. And what are we now? April, May, June. So we're like four months later. And what I can tell you is it was amazing. Reflect it. I mean, I went to see it in the cinema for a second time. It is amazing. It is amazing. But it'll leave you feeling weird. I'm trying to scroll back to what I text you the day after just to see what I, once it has maybe sank in a little bit. We even messaged each other, each other with like who you'd cast in a, an English language remake and everything, didn't we? I put, I, I text you on on the Saturday morning. I can't stop thinking about it, but I still stick by it. it. Wasn't half as good as it made up to be, made out to be. I take that back. I think the dad is the parasite. <laughs> <laughs> I do take back way. those words. Yeah. Didn't give anything away. The, it was just. It made me think more than I've thought <laughs> and I yeah. didn't like it it hurt <laughs> um I just came away with so many different things going around my head like what have I just seen not in a bad way I I enjoyed every single second of it and I just loved how it made me made me think how it made me feel and I've st- I'm still unsure about what I even saw and so, I, that is amazing <laughs> yeah I mean it, as, as I mentioned earlier it's I mean it was the first Korean film I've ever seen and Train to Busan was the second it's directed by Bong Joon-ho and if anyone saw any of his acceptance speeches at the Oscars and I say any of his acceptance speeches because he won a lot of Oscars <laughs> yeah he is the most likable character he hardly speaks any English and he mm. always has this interpreter um, that goes around with him and he's the 
funniest, most likable guy. And I really hope we have not seen the last of him. So no, he's got a, he's got a brilliant track record of films as well. So I, I I would recommend going back and listening, listening and watching. So yeah, I really cannot stress enough. You need to go and watch some of his other films. So he's done some really interesting stuff. Like he did Snowpiercer. He did a film for, for Netflix a few years ago called Okja, but one of his real standout films is called the host from 2006. So it's a little bit dated, but it, it, it's, it's pretty mental stuff to be fair. So that's Parasite and you can see Parasite's available to rent or buy on most services. And that concludes yeah. our recap of 2020 so far. Let us know what you think. I've We've got some, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to cut in. What was your favorite out of what you've seen so far? Do you know what? So I, my heart of hearts, I'll keep going back to Jojo Rabbit. I think Jojo Rabbit yeah. really, I'd struggle to say that Jojo Rabbit wasn't my favorite. Parasite, I think the longer the, the longer time goes on, the more Parasite will become one of my favorites because I yeah. think it, it haunts me in a good way. <laughs> it haunts yeah. me. It's there, and I keep thinking about it. Sometimes my mind will wander to thinking yeah. about that film. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I... I agree. I, I probably won't go and watch Parasite again anytime soon. I'll definitely watch it again, but it's not what I'm going to come back to particularly so soon. It was not the easiest watch. So I'm going to say either Jojo or Uncut Gems, I think. So in the run-up to recording this, we asked you guys if we'd missed anything or if there was anything you particularly liked. And Luke said to us that um, he really enjoyed Lovebirds, which is the Kamel Nanjiani film. Yeah. I think we yeah. both missed it. Interestingly, you you watched The Big Sick the other week, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed The Big Sick. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'd be quite, you know, interested to see what that one looks like. To be fair, I don't think I've yeah. seen anything with Kamel Nanjiani yet. He did he cut his teeth on TV? Um, yeah, he was in um, Silicon Valley and a few yeah. few bits like that. Um, He's done sort of the odd like thing here and there. He did a, a buddy cop film with um, Dave Bautista, and right. he's done a, f- a few a, f- a few voice things. Um, cool. uh, but his next big one is, and which will probably make him huge, is he's got quite a key role in um, an M film coming. Right. Up. <laughs> well, funny you mentioned Dave Bautista, and because due to M films, yeah, he's fast becoming a really brilliant comic actor. Yeah, yeah, he really is. But then also he does some great, like, dramatic stuff. He was in uh, Denny Villeneuve's Blade Runner sequel. Okay. It's right. a fairly small part, but he, he definitely, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know, shows a different side to him. Yeah. So thanks for the um, recommendation, Luke. I think we'll put it on our watch list. He yeah, also he also said Jojo Rabbit was great. This is Luke. Luke also said Jojo Rabbit was great, but uh, had a poor opening twenty minutes. And I disagree. Mm, I think I, I think I would disagree with that one. To be honest, I think the the opening twenty minutes of Jojo were brilliant. I think it really set up the sort of childlike perspective of the film. Yeah. And some great yeah. tunes. It had a German version of I Wanna Hold Your Hand by the Beatles. What would that title be, Greg? Come give me dein hand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't speak German. I've just read that. <laughs> um, uh, but while sticking with Jojo Rabbit, uh, Fran said she, to- she really loved it. It was totally brash and human all at the same time. 
which yeah, completely sums it up pretty it. nicely. Definitely. Yep, bro. Jen sent a message with um, her review of 1917. She said, it was clever with the nonstop camera thing and the twist was unexpected. I think it was a very good representation of what it was like in the trenches. I would imagine if anyone who was fighting in World War I watched it, they would probably agree it was quite true to detail. It wasn't as gory as some of the other war films I've seen either, which made a nice change. It was more about the story and the scenery than body parts flying about everywhere. What a lovely, thoughtful <laughs> review. Thanks, Jen. Yeah, really nice review. Thanks for that, Jen. Anything else off anyone else? Yeah, so Richard sent a message on Instagram. Again, his review of 1917. He said, 1917, great looking film. Loved the crazy camera thing they used. Felt like Saving Private Ryan prequel though. Similar storyline, but in World War One, And then a bit of a shruggy, shruggy emoji. If anyone would like to let us know their thoughts on any films we discuss, get in touch on the Instagram, the Twitter, send us a message, drop yeah, us a or voice you, message. If you want to recommend a film to us, by all means, let us know. Yeah, and we may or may not take it on board. <laughs> Shruggy emoji. <laughs> so, um, what it was the U review. It's been rebranded. So solid U from by my yep. brother Elliot. If you listened last week, you'd understand why. Um, <laughs> I, the thing is, it it carries on because this week, and I think there aren't many U's around. What we want to do yeah. in this section is speak about children's or family friendly films. And yeah. this film isn't a U. And I mentioned this to my brother. I said, <laughs> yeah, it's not the greatest name because we're not, not everything we do in that section is going to be a U. Some of them will be PGs. And he went, well, that's easy. PG tips. Yeah. I knew that was coming. That's brilliant. (laughs) So I I think the the title of this section is going to change per per week. (laughs) So PG tips. And this week we watched, in in fact, this was, I mentioned, we're speaking earlier on about the last thing we saw at the cinema. Unfortunately, Sonic the Hedgehog was the last thing I saw at the cinema at February half term. I took my son. Yeah. What had he done wrong? (laughs) Do you know what though? I mean, we'll get onto what he thought about it in a little while. He did love it. And in a way, that's what's important. But also if we're going to be the ones taking them to see these (laughs) films and sitting with them and watching them, we need to enjoy it as well. Yeah. So, First of all, it's kind of part. My heart sinks a little bit every time we get the next childhood computer game or reboot of some character. Yeah, something else. Something we've had from our past. Something just squeezed into a film. Sometimes you get a little bit excited about it, but I think everyone's heart sank a little bit when we heard that Sonic was being made into a film because I think. My overwhelming feeling was how, because don't get me wrong, I played Sonic, I had a Mega Drive, I loved the Sonic games, but they weren't known for their narrative. They weren't known (laughs) for the deep character development of that blue hedgehog, really. And I think there lies the problem here. (sighs) I think my, my sigh says it all. I started watching it and the opening credits and all the, the, the studio like cards at the beginning, I had so much hope and so much nostalgia. I felt, I felt amazing. You, you had like an or- orchestrated version of the Sonic theme. And I was like, you know what? 
Yeah. If they're going to take this in like in, a, in quite an interesting way and their own spin on it, this is going to be brilliant. And it wasn't. No. It was just trash. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> I it's suppose that, that's bold. And, There's so much I hated about this film. Oh, this, God. I mean, it's completely taking a square peg being the character of Sonic for the video games and fitting it into a round hole, which is mm-hmm. cinema. We've got to make a screenplay out of this somehow. And it just didn't work. And it didn't have to be Sonic. No. You know what I mean? This is what we're saying about it. It's like you take, they're taking these, these characters from their, these worlds that we know from their games and trying to find some really convoluted way of getting them in on into the real world. It didn't have to be Sonic. It could have been another fast creature or another fast character from, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, from yeah. something we've seen before. It was yeah. just so, I don't know, for, everything about it was just so forced. Yeah, the, the humour was forced. It was like, oh, I get, you're trying to do that sort of whimsical yeah. sort well, yeah, of Yeah, exactly. They were, trying to make, they were trying to make this like lovable, cheeky character and he didn't come out, Sonic didn't even come out that way. He was just annoying and then no. rude. <laughs> I will say this though. When the trailer first came out for Sonic, it was, um, everyone, everyone absolutely slated yeah the design of the sonic character and fair play whoever who made the film whoever made the film it was was paramount wasn't it um yeah and fair play the um the guys made the film said okay we get it we'll redesign sonic and actually yeah that is an improvement the design that they ended up with compared to the design in the first trailer you can go back and just google that it is yeah much better than it was going to be because it actually looks like Sonic. So if you were bothered about it being true to the original game. Yeah, but, al- but also uh, a four-foot-tall blue hedgehog wearing trainers doesn't look particularly real anyway, so... No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> <laughs> just... I, will say, I, I will say this. Jim Carrey was the per- perfect person to play Dr. Eggman yeah, because yeah. he just played 90s Jim Carrey. It was just, it yeah. could have been, it it was a, been it was, without the mask. Yeah, it was a cross between Ace Ventura and the Riddler. That's what I yeah, thought that, that yeah. he did. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not going thinking too deep about this one, unfortunately, compared to like Peter Pan last <laughs> week. It was just so crass and cr- like crude. Yeah. If, if, if a scene was like, if the scene was losing laughs, they just put like a fart joke in, you yeah. know, or, or so. And it's just, it's just so. And, oh. and do you know what? As well, <laughs> I, was, I was reading into it, and early on, Paul Rudd was supposedly in discussions to play um, the cop, the guy oh, I can't really? remember his name. And whilst I know it would have been a better film for that, <laughs> I'm so yeah. glad he didn't yeah. do it. Yeah. Wow. I so this was this week. I'd remembered it being better. I watched it for the second time this week for our family cinema night, and it was a lot worse than I had remembered it being <laughs> when I went to see it at the cinema. I went back again to my watch diary, and I could say it was the last thing I saw at the cinema. It was on 19th of Feb, and I gave it two and a half stars, and I'd simply written the word fine. But I wouldn't even wasn't. say fine. <laughs> no, it wasn't fine at all. There's nothing fine about that film. It was, oh, did you pick up on the terrible, terrible, like product, not product placement, but well, yeah, I suppose it was product placement. They were like, yeah, we're going to move to San Francisco. We better find an apartment. I found a great apartment on 
Zoopla oh, really? or whatever. And it was just like, oh. she turns the laptop around and it looks at him. And then they're like, let's go for a meal. Well, the only meal we can have around here is Olive Garden. And it was oh, oh, just, oh, come on, people. We are past this. Skip it. Skip it. Definitely. Ugh. Yeah. What did the kids think about it? Really, when we speak about kids' films, the most important review, it doesn't matter what 31-year-old men think. <laughs> it Really, it should matter what the kids think about it. Yeah. And I have to say, my kids really, really enjoyed it. In fact, straight after the film, I got their reaction, and this was it. I liked it, and I loved it, and it's really good. And it was fabulous. My favourite part was him staying at the home part. So funny, so good, so good. It was about Sonic and a bad guy. And Tails and some humans. Tails at the end. Tails at the end. And there were two tails on his bum. <laughs> and there was two tails on his bum. Eggman is bad guy. And he invents machines that kill somebody. So, please can you show me the video now, stop. So there you go. You can listen to the opinions of two 31-year-old blokes. Or you could take the opinions of the intended audience, a five-year-old yeah. and a four-year-old. Nice. My son doesn't quite have the same way with words so we uh, I sat him down for the first uh, two minutes of the film he cried and ran away and didn't want to watch anymore and I think that's the best review <laughs> that's all you need <laughs> okay so we've got a new section that we're gonna put in each week this was something that was a bit of a suggestion from social media so we're going to look back at the IMDb top 250 films and basically put a bit of a poll on social media each week of which film you would like us uh, to do a bit of a review of. But we're going to put a little bit of a twist on this and we're only going to use 12 words. To Time's precious. These Time is very precious, definitely. So this section is called uh, The Dirty Dozen. See what we did there. Um so the two films we put on this week were Jaws and Gladiator. We had a, a few uh, controversial comments saying, is Gladiator a classic? What do you reckon, Greg? Would you say Gladiator is a classic? Well, to, my reply was, is Gladiator even a good film, let alone a classic? <laughs> I'm not a fan of Gladiator. But oh. yeah, there was. Uh, I think Laura got in touch with us and, and questioned that, and she agreed with me. She doesn't think it's a good film either. But as you pointed out, it, it's critically acclaimed. It's yeah. 20 years old now. Yeah. My argument for this is, in 1997, would you have classed Star Wars and you hope a classic film? Because that was 1977. There so, you go. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Anyway. So, but it doesn't matter about Gladiator because Jaws won the poll with a staggering... Thank God for that. 89%. 89% of the, of the poll, which is great. Which actually I was really glad with because... Well, you'll get our reviews in a second, but Jaws is really is a classic. Okay, so, 12 words. You, 12 words. Do you want me to go first? You give me your 12 words. Right, go on. okay. I'll, I'll count I, my I, fingers. I do love this film, so here we go. Ultimate tension builder, killer score, Indianapolis scene is masterclass, some thin special. 
Oh, I see it. Oh, I see it. Word, wordplay, wordplay. Oh, man's not got wordplay. I should have added that. But there is a little bit of this. There's some similarities between yeah. what you mentioned and what I mentioned. Go on. I went for, I took a little bit of liberty as well. I used a hyphenated word to, <laughs> so that I'd get within 12 words. Okay, okay. Spiel. Uh, um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. We can have some of that. Spielberg genius plus William's score equals incredible bar-raising horror that still conquers. Yes. Bar-raising. I went for bar-raising. I thought thought it was that one somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, we're not allowed to say any more. That's 12 words. No, that is literally it. Done. Done. That's it. See you next week. (laughs) Keep an eye on Instagram for next week's Dirty Dozen Films and cast your vote. So homework, we've decided we're not going to set each other homework every week, are we now? Because no. it's, uh, that's a lot of reviews. So we're going to take it in terms to set each other some homework, aren't we? So are you going to yeah. do this one? Yeah, I'm going to take this one. I'll take this one, Greg, thanks. Um, <laughs> so I don't want to feel like I'm just setting you foreign films, but I feel, as I said, that foreign films don't get the recognition they deserve. So... And there's some absolutely amazing films that are not in the English language. So I'm going to set your film uh, this week. It came out in 2002 and it's actually Brazilian um, and it's called City of God. I have seen this film hundreds of times and it is, well, I absolutely love this film, like adore this film. So I am very, very, very intrigued to see what you think about it. Cool. How'd you, how'd you feel about that? <laughs> you went quiet. Are you, you going to sell it to me? Sell it to me. Go on. On IMDb, the plot or synopsis basically says, in the slums of Rio, two kids' paths diverge as one struggles to become a photographer and the other a kingpin. It's so cool. stylistically made. Um, it's got real heart and it's just got some unbelievable performances in it. So, yeah, let me know what you think about this one. City of God. Cool. And that's available to rent or buy on Apple TV and Sky Store. So that's the end of the podcast. I think three episodes under a belt now, Dave. I think it's, it's, it's a thing now. It's a thing. Yeah, boy. It is definitely a thing. Yeah. Whether it's a good thing or not, you be the judge. <laughs> Well, I think it is. I like it. I'm getting I like good just vibes. Chat, chatting to you about films. It's yeah, great. It's nice, Love yeah. it. What are you up to this weekend other than watching films? <laughs> Probably, yeah, more films on the watch list. The weather's good. The sun's shining. What are you up to? Sun is shining. We're going to go and take, um, all, my, all my family are going to go and take my uh, good old nan <laughs> out oh. for a little walk on the beach near where she lives on, on the Wirral. Uh, oh, and the nice. Merseyside socially distanced, of course, as, yes, as yeah, we yeah. Uh, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, <laughs> you got to yeah, put so that clause do... in, otherwise people yeah. will judge you. You know. Yeah, um, we're going to do that. We're going to do some decorating of uh, my son Ben's bedroom, and that's the rock and roll lifestyle of a thirty-one-year-old dad who does podcasts. How about <laughs> you, Greg? <laughs> How about you, Greg? Well, it would be Glastonbury this weekend. Oh yeah, the iPlayer Last... thing. Yeah, so I've not been able to go to Glastonbury since 2011 because 
and those of you who know me know I don't stop going on about that fact that as a teacher, it's hard mm-hmm. to go to Glastonbury. Um, Greg, have you been to Glastonbury? Once or twice. And <sighs> it would be Glastonbury this weekend. And I didn't nearly, nearly had a chance of going this year. It worked out through work. There was a way I could have gone. Mm-hmm. A window. Get, yeah, and I, and I just missed out on getting a ticket. God, I tried. It was not for lack of trying. But it would be Glastonbury this weekend. So the BBC are putting on loads of old Glastonbury stuff. So we are going to have a bit of a Glastonbury barbecue, oh, you know, nice. t- TV on, blasting out old Glastonbury sets. And, you know, kids in the paddling pool. I think it's going to be really nice weather. Make yep. a bit of a, a thing of it. So we're going to do that on Saturday. Perfect. So I'm going to look Oof. forward to that. Are you all right, Greg? Why well, I've seemed a little bit out of it. <laughs> you seem a little bit dazed. <laughs> um, in all honesty, yeah. Uh, if you notice that I have been a little bit off, it's because I think I've got concussion. Um, <laughs> I hit my head. There's a shelf. Uh, you might see on some of the videos. There's a shelf just above my head, and I was moving things around yesterday, and I hit my head. But not just hit my head. I hit my head really, really hard, no. and I thought I was fine until. Earlier on today, I realised that I've been a little bit dazed and fuzzy-headed since... Walking backwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I put the dishes in the washing machine. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I, put, I put my pants in the dishwasher. Um, no. Uh, yeah, so I've, I think I'm all right. I've, I'll, I'll see how I go. I think, I think I'm a little bit better than I was, but yeah, I might have well, a little the- bit. This perfectly question. this perfectly leads to this week's password. So if you get to the end of the episode, we want you to send us the word concussion. Why not? <laughs> Why not? It's a word. And you're going to forget about this conversation and people are just going to be sending you messages saying concussion. What How conversation? No. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. We're really grateful of your support. As mentioned earlier, if you want to get in touch, be part of the podcast, drop us a message on Instagram at dadsonfilmpod. Leave us a voice message if you want, anchor.fm forward slash dads on film, or email us dads on film pod at gmail.com. Dot com. Dot I remember. Com. Yeah. Dot com at gmail.com. Hey, I'll hey. let you do it one week. It's fine. <laughs> if, you, if you want to recommend a film to us that you think we might not have seen or think we should discuss, let us know that too. That's it. Yeah. Big shout out to Jared Leto. Stop making films. <laughs> Yeah, I just hate him. I can't stand him. Maybe, uh, he'll, maybe he'll hear it one day. And... I'll fight him. Yeah, probably. I'll probably lose. Let's face it. Thanks very much for listening, guys. See you next week. Mm-hmm.